0: Even the best-laid plans can go awry. It's simply a part of life. But some plans veer so far from their initial aims that the outcomes become absolutely hilarious. From military mishaps to disastrous street parades, here are some plans, both recent and historic, that really didn't go as expected. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Giant balloons are every kid's favorite thing in a parade. My favorite eternal worldwide icon is none other than, you guessed it, Barney the Dinosaur. (coughs) He's all about family, so it's easy to see why he would be used in the 1997 Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. But this otherwise cuddly dinosaur turned into a terrifying nightmare when the 60-foot helium-filled balloon became swept up in strong winds. Chaos ensued, as did screams from startled onlookers as it became apparent that Barney's handlers were struggling to keep him under control. After tense moments of threatening to crush onlookers and lift his handlers off into the Manhattan skyline, Barney was pierced by a lamppost. He sadly succumbed to his injuries and spent the rest of the parade safely tucked under a sufficiently weighty policeman. R.I.P. Barney. But more serious problems occurred elsewhere in the parade when a six-story tall cat in a hat struck a lamppost, knocking part of it directly into the crowd. Two women suffered head injuries and filed lawsuits against Basies. And even Apple isn't immune to unexpected plans. In 2014, Apple faced a backlash when countless consumers claimed that the iPhone 6 Plus bent inside their pockets. Inevitably, Apple's competitors used the opportunity to mock Apple and promote their own smartphones, like Samsung saying their phones are designed to not bend, or HTC tweeting, and I quote, designed to withstand the most demanding environments like your pockets. Ouch. LG France, however, made a serious faux pas when they posted their mocking tweet from an iPhone, which showed clearly in the tweet, totally undermining their point and reverting all mockery back at themselves. Mandu. When you hear the term flash mob, you think of a fun dancing group of people who come together for humor or as a social statement. But by the nature of a flash mob, there's always a chance for things to go awry. When a flash mob formed in Plata de Arro, Spain, they were merely pretending to be paparazzi chasing a celebrity who was in fact nothing more than another member of what was hoped to be a humorous experiment unfortunately people mistook the mob's tripods and selfie sticks for weapons and they fled in sheer terror 11 people were injured in the ensuing stampede five of the german pranksters behind the disastrous flash mob were charged with public order offenses and presumably they no longer saw the funny side Public chaos is not a purely modern invention. Equally disastrous mayhem ensued when an 18th century Englishman sported a bold new hat in public for the first time. Being fashionable requires some risk-taking, but haberdasher John Hetherington's fashion statement became a fashion riot in January 1797. All because he appeared on the public highway wearing an elegant, silky top hat. The first of its kind. According to countless reports from the time, several women fainted, unable to cope with the radical outfit, while children screamed and dogs yelped. The screaming crowd even trampled a young boy whose right arm was broken. John was charged for breaching the peace and inciting a riot. He was required to get 500 pounds in bonds. Shocked by his contemporaries' extreme fear of change, Hetherington asserted he was not violating any law and was simply exercising his right to wear a headdress of his own design. A design which would, ironically, become extremely popular. I tip my hat to you, John Hetherington, you fine-dashing young lad. Now, from an 18th century gentleman to a story involving a contemporary one, a man called Reed Harris wanted his proposal to be memorable, and he probably didn't imagine that it would involve a trip to the emergency room. When he decided to propose to his girlfriend Caitlin Whipple in 2009, he thought it would be a fun idea to hide the engagement ring in her milkshake. Unfortunately, one of their friends proposed that they race to finish the milkshake. And to Reed's horror, competitive Caitlyn immediately popped off the lid and scopped out her milkshake, swallowing the ring. When they got to the ER, the x-ray confirmed that the ring was indeed in her stomach. Reed later proposed to Caitlyn using the x-ray image of the ring, and she accepted. Two days later, after a journey you would never forget, the ring reappeared. (laughs) Let's hope Caitlyn washed it before putting it on, though. You might remember a music festival on an island as specifically being not great. It was supposed to be the dream weekend filled with good music, private planes, wellness activities, villas, and free-flowing booze on a private island once owned by Pablo Escobar in the Bahamas. All the attention was supposed to promote the Fire mobile app for booking music talent. Instead, when guests arrived at the hyped up Fire Festival, disappointment was the only thing awaiting them as it was a shambles and instantly canceled. The festival wasn't on its own private island, but on a much less glamorous corner of a much larger one. Exclusive villas turned out to be disaster relief tents, and the promised meals by a celebrity chef were sad cheese sandwiches. Tickets started at $1,500, which included the flight from Miami, festival tickets, meals, and accommodation. Patrons said the scene resembled the Hunger Games, with people fighting for tents and mattresses and looking for lost luggage. This notorious example of misleading fraud ensnared countless influencers whose desperate search for the perfect Instagram post was exploited and foiled. The festival's main organizer, Billy McFarland, went from driving fancy cars paid with investor money to being sentenced to six years in federal prison for his role in the fraud. The disappointment fell on the unfortunate workers stuck there who never got paid and those who'd forked over a small fortune for the experience. Now here's a military anecdote for the pacifists among us. Located between Switzerland and Austria, the country of Liechtenstein is one of the world's smallest nations. It's one of only 15 countries without an official military, but it did have armed forces in the past. In 1866, during the Austro-Prussian War, the country sent forward an army of 80 men. Upon their return, they were pleasantly surprised to be able to boast of losing no battles and suffering no casualties. This was as a result of avoiding all fighting. But who's to judge their strategy? Their record was so impressive that they not only returned with all 80 men, but they had gained an extra troop. They met an Italian along the journey who was so impressed with their self-proclaimed success and military discipline that he decided to join their ranks. But unlike Liechtenstein's open pacifist strategy, wartime plans often don't go as you want them to. During the U.S. Civil War during the Battle of Antietam, Union General George B. McClellan was able to lay his hands on the battle plans of his nemesis, Confederate General Robert E. Lee. To the Union, supporters who knew about the discovery victory seemed inevitable. But despite the seemingly clear-cut route to success afforded by such a lucky break, McClellan was overly cautious and overestimated General Lee's number of troops. He also responded too slowly to the information and took 18 hours to set his army in motion. In all the delay, Lee got wind of the approaching Union army and sent troops to plug the gaps. This allowed him some time to gather his scattered units and reevaluate his plan. McClellan's army, which could have totally destroyed their enemy's forces, faced significant casualties and were unable to pursue the Confederates as they retreated. Understandably, Abraham Lincoln removed McClellan from his command following the incident. Now, here's an unescapable rule. If you're trying to avoid the police, you probably shouldn't dress like an escaped convict. An image of a man went viral where he was seen trying to hitch a ride with motorists in the least subtle outfit. But whether he'd emerged from a jailbird costume party in the woods behind him is unclear. Unsurprisingly, his outfit attracted the attention of some police officers like moths to a light bulb. The perplexed policeman searched the suspicious hitchhikers' bags and found a significant amount of drug paraphernalia and other suspicious items. He was handcuffed and put in the back of the patrol car. Even if he hadn't been there in the first place, I guess he did get a free ride back to the slammer. He's certainly gonna fit right in. Christopher Columbus may have journeyed the world to discover new lands, but his statue's global adventure was notably less successful. In the early 90s, Russia decided to gift the U.S. a 600-ton, 350-foot-tall statue of Christopher Columbus to commemorate the 500th anniversary of Columbus's discovery of the New World in 1492. But it seems that the recipient thought the gift was a bit much. It was, after all, very Russian, with a distinctly industrial look that some have called horrifically ugly. But I'd describe it more as proletariat chic. In 1993, the city of Columbus, Ohio, turned down the gift, with some dubbing it Chris Kong. Baltimore, New York, Fort Lauderdale, and Miami all followed suit when Russia tried to tempt them with the statue's gunmetal charm. The statue that stood twice the height of the Statue of Liberty finally found a home in Puerto Rico in 2016. But I can't help thinking old Chris must have felt a little unloved. Maybe his designers, Rob Ceratelli, can gather another construction crew to build Lonely Chris and XXL Girlfriend. And now for our final story, Australia is known for a lot more than an opera house and big killer spiders. The story of the Harold Holt Memorial Swimming Center in Melbourne, Australia, is one of the all-time greatest examples of what were they thinking? The center was built in the 1960s by Australian architects, Kevin Borland and Daryl Jackson. It was said to be named the City of Melbourne Olympic Swimming Center, but the name was changed after the Prime Minister Harold Holt died suddenly in December 1967. A nice gesture, sure, but the face palm worthy critical piece of irony that the redesign missed was that the Prime Minister had died by drowning. Perhaps associating his name with the implication of needing to learn to swim wasn't the most thoughtful commemoration. Oh, no. Although maybe if they put up a sign that said, Warning! Learn to swim or end up like him. It might encourage people to join up out of pure fear. Seems like pretty intense marketing to me. I hope you were amazed at these ridiculous plans that didn't go as expected. Thanks for listening to the podcast and we'll see you the next time you want to be amazed again.